0: Men on the front lines Men on the front lines Men on the front lines We call for these mighty men of valor The Lord put a vision in my heart For a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me And I believe what men on the front lines will do And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for Heroes to Arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Frontline's live social media broadcast equipping, encouraging, and empowering you You arise as the hero, the warrior, and the champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth. So thanks for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. I wanna to talk to you about something that's a bit of a hot button topic for me right now, a controversial topic. And I'm, I'm gonna work hard not to go off on a rant on you, but um, I think it's really important because we are contending for something in this nation. I've actually been amazed at how controversial contending for righteousness, truth, and justice has been in the body of Christ. But it's a sign that the body is as divided as the world is. And perhaps the world is so divided because the church is so divided. So we're going to look at what's the answer and how we can be part of the solution in just one minute. Before we get into that, though, I've got a couple quick announcements for you. And I am really excited to tell you this announcement. February 18th through the 21st of next year, we are going to be doing our Man Camp East Coast event. This 2020 has been a crazy year full of many opportunities to believe for the kingdom to come in glorious ways. But it has also been filled with some natural disappointments one of those was we had to cancel all of our men on the front lines events um, from uh, march on but we have the green light in north carolina to move ahead with our man camp east coast event february 18th through 21 in rose hill north carolina in the usual great spot we do it in at rockfish meadows campground I really want to encourage you, if you, like me, are ready to get out and get together with a great group of guys, join us for our Man Camp event. I'll be there. Brad Carter will be there. Ben Hughes will be there. All sorts of great guys will be there, and I'd love to see you there as well. Like always, there'll be great times of fellowship and connection. There'll be great times of worship and mentoring. It's definitely worth your time to connect with the group of guys that show up for our man camp we've got guys that have already registered that we have one group that's already registered twelve guys i got a call the other day a guy said he wants to try and bring twenty guys from his men's group so many guys are ready to get out and get reconnected and come to this Man Camp event. If you've got any questions, you can email me directly, robert at menonthefrontlines.com, or make it really easy on yourself. Go to menonthefrontlines.com, click the events link, and it'll take you to the banner um, uh, that promotes the event. Click on that banner, and you'll get all the info about that event as well as a registration where you can link. All right, next quick announcement. Hey, don't forget, we're talking about it a lot, but I'm really excited because we're seeing our subscriber base grow on the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel. And every week I share with you to go and subscribe and like and share the videos. The reason we're doing that is it's so much easier for for you to find through my channel search engine and the way we group them there. It's so much easier for you to find current videos and the videos that you want to re-watch and share. We love being able to meet with you here on social media and connect with you this way but we also know that as the days go on and the week goes on the content gets pushed further and further down and it's harder to find and harder to connect with so go to robert Hodgkin youtube channel click the subscribe button you'll get notifications when we put out new content which is every single week and you will also be able to go and look at like the heroes arise playlist where over 100 episodes of heroes arise is available to you all the shows i've done for god tv All the mentoring videos I've done, prayer, prophetic, devotional videos, they're all there. They're all for free. They're all for you. So go to Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel and click the subscribe link. One last thing I want to tell you about, hey, it is Tuesday, December 1st. Yesterday was Cyber Monday. We had all our big Cyber Monday sales at our online store. But today is Giving Tuesday, I was told. So we want to participate in Giving Tuesday, and we want to give a gift to you. If you use the code TUESDAY30, all lowercase, TUESDAY30, all one word, all lowercase, and then the number 30, TUESDAY30, at our store at patriciakingministries.com, which I think you all know, Patricia King Ministries is the covering ministry for Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines. And you can go to our online store there, and when you check out, you use this code TUESDAY30, you will get 30% off anything and everything you order today on Giving Tuesday. We know Giving Tuesday is usually about giving in to... Um, uh... nonprofit organizations and 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 church groups and religious groups and ministry groups like ours But we wanted to do something special for you, so we're giving you a gift. Use Tuesday 30 as your code to get 30% off any and all resources and downloads you order from our online store. All right, let's get into this week's topic. Let's talk about what is the answer. Let's talk about the controversy. I've got more notes than I usually do. I spent a lot of time organizing my thoughts today because I want to try and stay on topic and not go off on a rant. because I think this is an important topic and I think it's something that's really good that's being brought up in the body of Christ but I'll be honest at times I've been a little surprised as many of you know I have been an active and vocal voice and proponent for a revival and reformation of righteousness in the United States of America and also for wanting righteousness truth and justice to rule and reign not only in this country but in our 2020 elections I personally feel there is way more than enough evidence to be aware that here in Arizona and many other places, there was definitely some fraudulent and manipulative and treacherous activity done in these elections. This isn't about getting one candidate or the other in. It's about contending for righteousness in our nation, truth and justice in our nation, and future elections. It's not just about this election. It's about future elections. And what has surprised me, is that this has been controversial in some corners of the church and I've realized the church is quite divided in many areas I never would have guessed that standing for righteousness truth and justice in our nation would be controversial the decrees that I've put together for righteousness truth and justice to rule and reign in our nation in the elections I've gotten some, uh, some, some great feedback on, but I've also gotten some kind of aggressive kickback on. And I don't understand why a Christian standing for truth, righteousness, and justice is controversial, but I hear that for some of you it is. Um, None of my decrees that I've put together have been about a particular candidate. They've all been about wanting God's kingdom to come and his righteousness, truth, and justice to rule and reign in our nation. Um, I get why if I took a strong stance on mass or no mass, that could be controversial. Some science shows this, some science shows that. I get why if I took a strong stance on some of the other topics of our day, that I get that there'd be a lot of debate on that. I kind of was scratching my head over this idea that wanting to see righteousness truth and justice rule and reign in this nation calling forth a move of heroic holiness calling forth radicals of righteousness and radical reformers to arise and see our nation turn back to the will and ways of god and his plans and purposes i was surprised that i got some kickback from people from believers on that but you know what it's okay never ever ever be offended when you're challenged on what you believe or what you stand for it's actually a great opportunity and that opportunity is you get to examine, I got to examine what I believe, why I believe it, why I'm taking a stand for what I'm taking a stand for, what's in my heart. We get to go to God and say, Lord, search my heart before, before anything else, search my heart. So these are really great opportunities, those types of challenges. And, and I'll be very real with you. When people um, challenge me uh, uh, nicely, I'm more than happy to respond and share when the challenges can be really aggressive and and condescending and nasty i just want you to know i appreciate that you're that you're interacting with me that you're consuming um, my, my content and my media, but I probably won't respond other than an initial effort to try and do so with love, honor, and respect and have an open and honest conversation. Because even if we disagree, that's okay. But if it gets to, to uh, consistent nastiness, I'm just going to allow you to believe what you believe and I'm going to keep doing what I feel is right for me to be doing. But here's what surprised me about some of it. A lot of the kickback that I was getting, a lot of the the, the the criticism I was getting from a handful of people, and I also want to say so many in the church are wanting to see righteousness and reformation restored to our nation and truth and justice to rule and reign in the nation, and that's wonderful. We should want that because that's not about politics. That's not about parties. That's about the kingdom of God. That's about Jesus ruling and reigning. The foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice. We should be for that. We should be praying for that. Um, I admit that um, there is one uh, candidate that I've been more vocal about um, in all his imperfections because I looked at his policies and platforms and believe that they are pro-God, pro-life, pro-Israel, anti-human trafficking, pro-church, agenda is something I care about. There are things that are deeply important to me, so I have been vocal. We'll never have a perfect candidate. Will will Jesus is not coming back to run for president, so we're going to have to look at the policies and platforms of the men and women who are running. The other side had was very open and vocal about taking God out of their politics, their their platforms and their policies at their national convention. And they have every right to do that. And I have every right to say I don't wish to support that, especially when so many of their policies are wicked and unrighteous. So many of their policies are anti-life, anti-God, anti-church, anti-righteousness. So I have a right to take a stand against that. And I and I hope that most of the church will join me in that. It's a critical hour to stand for righteousness, truth, and justice. We are contending for a reformation in this nation. And I'm excited about that. These are historic days, and it is a true proof privilege to be alive and to co-labor with brothers and sisters to see righteousness and reformation reestablished in this land, to see this land restored to the plans and purposes of God, the wills and ways of God, and to see wickedness and unrighteousness and, and deceit and treachery torn down and removed from our land. I want that. And I know that those in the church want that as well. Where we disagree, though, sometimes is how to get there. And what has surprised me is some of the kickback I've gotten has been very much the sense of, you know, why are you raising a ruckus? Don't get involved. Um, um, don't, don't take sides, things like that. And some of the specific comments I've gotten I wanted to share with you. Um, love is what matters most, that this whole stand that you're taking for revival and reformation and righteousness and truth and justice, it's love that really matters. Um, above all things, I'm oh, sorry, above all, we are to be the image of Jesus, that we're to be just like Jesus and look like Jesus. And then one of the other ones was that someone has uh, sent me repeatedly is, hey, love is the way. And I want to say to the comments that love is what matters most, above all we're to be the image of Jesus and love is the way, I want to say I agree with you completely. You are absolutely 100% right that love is the way, love is the answer, we are to be the image of Jesus and love is what matters most. What concerns me, however, is there seems to be this idea that's getting into the church and the body in some corners that love means this sort of like passive, sloppy, agape. It's all good, man. Just make sure everybody knows their love. Well, everybody is love. God loves everybody. But God also loves righteousness, truth, and justice. So love is not this passive thing of, hey, don't take a stand, don't make waves. Love is is not just, hey, don't sit back and don't worry about it. I've had other people come come to me and comment, you know, God is sovereign. We don't need to do any of this stuff. God is sovereign. And I'd like to address that. I think that's a dangerous mindset too. It's not untrue. God is sovereign. But when we extrapolate that into, to, hey, just sit back and wait for God to do it, we're misunderstanding that since day six, our sovereign God's sovereign plan is to to work through men and women willing to be in relationship with him and be his dominion stewards in the earth. So taking a stand for righteousness to be reestablished in our land, taking an active stand for reformation has nothing to do with thinking God's not sovereign and it's up to us. It's knowing God is sovereign and then in his sovereign plan, we are to contend for what matters most to Him. And He empowers us to do it. He gives us the wisdom to do it. He gives us the power to do it. He gives us the Holy Spirit to do it. He gives us the downloads to do it, all in His sovereignty. We are part of His sovereign plan. But I want to get back to this idea that love is the answer, love is the way, because it is. But love is not passive. Love is not inactive. Love is not just sloppy agape If it's all cool, man. Just make sure everybody knows their love. No, love is not passive like that. Love is Very, very active. And that's what I want to talk about today. What is true kingdom love and what does it look like? Because love is very much active. Jesus is love. Our God is love. And Jesus did not sit back and say, hey, it's all good. Jesus did not ignore sin and unrighteousness and wickedness. Jesus did not just say, well, you know, it's okay that there's these policies of wickedness and unrighteousness. No, Jesus very active actively invaded the situation. He stepped out of glory and manifested in the earth as a man to very actively get involved and confront, contend with, decimate, destroy, and defeat sin, wickedness, and righteousness everywhere he went. He confronted and dealt with and overcame unrighteousness and, weakness, and 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 unrighteousness and wickedness. He was very active, and if we are going to truly be the image of Jesus and represent and represent him to everyone everywhere and all of creation, we absolutely must love as He loved. But part of that love, is addressing, confronting, contending against, and taking a strong stand against wickedness, unrighteousness, and injustice. And not only taking a stand against them, but believing for them and acting for them to be torn down in our midst. So what is true love? What does it look like in these times? What what does true kingdom love look like? Because love is the answer. Is love kindness, compassion, mercy, and forgiveness? Yes, absolutely that is God's love. God, God is kind, God is compassionate. God comes along the hurting, the disenfranchised, the confused. He forgives them, he's merciful to them. He absolutely shows them the kindness and compassion and patience and love that his art overflows with. But love is also truth and righteousness and justice. Love is also revival and reformation. Love is anything but passive. Think about what Jesus did when he came. He came so that each of us could have a personal revival and personal reformation. After, for me, Many of you know my testimony. Many of you know my story. For 38 and a half years, I was a mocker and persecutor of Christianity in the church. I was aggressively anti-church, anti-Christianity. I was I was nasty about it at times. And when, and when I was 38 and a half years old, outside my cabin in the woods of Montana, splitting wood one day, the Lord manifested His presence and He spoke to me. I refuse not to love you. He revealed his absolute unconditional love to me and it opened up my heart to him utterly and completely. I had another encounter with him the next day and I, at that point, invited him into my heart. He came flooding in and I've never been the same. Jesus, through his mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his compassion, his love opened my heart to him in that exact same love he did not say to me so all this other stuff you're doing it's no big deal i just want you to know i'm loved no he lovingly addressed every single unrighteous thing in my life he lovingly dealt with those things he lovingly separated compromise from, from righteousness, um, 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 uh, uh, lies from truth, uh, the, the, the temptation from, um, uh, to show me how to overcome it. What I'm trying to get at is he didn't lead me. Yes, he absolutely reached me with his love, but part of that love also helped bring revival and reformation to me so that I could walk in the fullness of all that I was created for, and he made me to be because that's what true love will do true love will see in us what we can't see in ourselves true love will fight for us to be all that we were created to be and that's who we need to be for this world today and for the people in it we need to love them enough to make sure they know that we can be kind and compassionate and merciful and understanding. But we're also gonna take strong stands against wickedness and unrighteousness. We're gonna take strong stands against sin. We're gonna take strong stands and say, not on our watch against policies and platforms and politics and agendas that would normalize wickedness and, 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 and sin and unrighteousness in our land. We must be involved in every sphere of influence. Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He came into the earth to deal with it. We can't just stay in our nice little church groups where we all agree with one another and and, and not get involved in the other spheres of influence. If we do that, we're not truly showing the world who our Jesus is, what he's like, and what he's done. Here's what Jesus had to say about what what true kingdom love is in his days of social and political upheaval. I'm going to read out of Mark 12, 28 through 31. This is what it says. One of the scribes came up and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he, Jesus, had answered them well, he asked him, he asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, here, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as you yourself are loved. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus, when he's talking about, okay, in these days of political, social upheaval, in these days of oppression against the church and, and the way, in these days of, of a corrupt government and wicked social uh, uh, positions and standings and policies, this is what we must know love is. Number one, foremost, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Love, first and foremost, is loving God and loving what he loves and caring about what he cares about. He says we must first and foremost love God. So absolutely we're to love our neighbor. We'll get to that in just a minute. Absolutely we're to have mercy and compassion and patience and kindness and forgiveness for our neighbor, especially those who don't agree with us, who who don't yet know the Lord. Absolutely we must show them his love. But it begins by loving God and loving what he loves, and taking strong stands for righteousness, wickedness, sorry, strong stands against righteousness, wickedness, and sin. You know, the the easy example of this, but it clearly shows what this is about. If if we really love someone who's drinking poison, are we just going to say, hey, I love you, you're drinking poison, you're killing yourself, I love you, it's all okay. Or are we going to say, I love you, I don't know what pain is going on in your heart, that's causing you to harm yourself like this by drinking poison multiple times a day, every day. I'm here for you. I wanna hear your heart. You're loved, you're forgiven. You have great worth, you have great value, and you completely accept it exactly as you are. But there are things that you're doing that are harming you. And I wanna take a strong stand against those things because I love you. That's what Jesus is saying. If you really wanna love, you have to start by loving God and loving what he loves, caring about what he cares about. We must love God with all our heart. That means we need to care about what God cares about. We need to care about righteousness and justice, the very foundations of his throne. That's how much God cares about righteousness and justice in nations, in cities, amongst people. That's how much he cares about righteousness and justice. He made them the very foundations of his throne, the very foundations of his rule and reign, because he knows when righteousness and justice are established in the land, everyone prospers. Everyone is blessed. Wickedness and unrighteousness are torn down, and we are no longer making policies to normalize the drinking of poison because he loves us. We need to care about life and truth and take stands for life. Take stands for truth. Jesus Himself is the way, the truth, and the life. If we're going to truly represent Jesus to everyone out there, we've got to start taking very strong stands for life and for truth. For whenever we see policies or platforms that are taking, uh, trying to normalize things that the Word of God, Him who is truth, if, there, if we see policies and platforms, And even politicians or media people or whatever trying to put out their messages that do not line up with the truth of God's word. We absolutely need to love them. We absolutely need to love those who are wrestling with those things. But we also need to love them, this nation and creation enough to take a strong stand for truth, for life, because those things matter to God. Those things are the very essence of who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life. Then he says we're to, we're to love God with all our soul and all our mind. In other words, we're, we're, we, if we really love God, we'll allow these things that matter to him to fill our thoughts to fill our mind, and to fill our choices. The soul was the place of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So we should be dwelling on what does God care about? What matters to God? What does God establish His, his kingdom upon? What is true? What is righteous? What is just? What does the Word say? And then from that, lovingly labor to see those things established in the land, to dwell on them, to focus on them, to think about them, and to make choices based on them, and to choose to support those policies, those platforms, and those voices in the land. It also says we are to love God. Jesus said we are to love God with all our strength. Notice he said, all our strength. We stand and contend for what matters to God with all our strength. It takes no strength to sit back and do nothing. It takes no strength to just go, you know what? <clears throat> I'm just going to love everybody. Just make sure everybody knows they're love. We absolutely must strive to know that everyone is loved. We cannot take stands for truth, justice, and righteousness that violate loving one another, but we can't love people to the point of not taking Stands for truth justice and righteousness because that's actually not love that's fear of man. That's I just want to be liked I just I just if we give them a gospel That isn't rooted and grounded in truth and justice and righteousness and the word of God Then we're not actually giving them a gospel. We're giving them something different Paul made a a, a, the Apostle Paul warned about that He said if you give a gospel different than the gospel of, of Jesus Christ the word made flesh avoid those people Now, I know for those of you out there, you have beautiful, well-intended hearts. You're not intentionally leading people away from God with a gospel that's only love. But if we don't have truth, justice, and righteousness, along with the absolutely essential portion of love, then we're only preaching half a gospel, and we're not preaching a gospel that leads to eternal salvation and life. Jesus said, we must love God with all our strength. That is very active. He didn't say with a little strength. He didn't say occasionally. He said, with all your strength, love God. That means with all your strength, be active for God and for what matters to God. And then he said, yes, absolutely. Love others as you are loved. And we need to be out there putting the love of God on display, the mercy, the kindness, the compassion, accepting people for who they are, where they are, while loving them and speaking truth to them so there can be transformation. So we're to love others as we are loved. How are we loved? We're loved by Jesus. We're loved by love himself. Jesus not only loved us, but he loved us enough to contend for a revival of righteousness in our lives. I use myself as an example. Each of you has the same story. One of the things Jesus does when we are willing to go from d- to say yes to him, he invites us to not only be believers, to be, be, but be disciples, to actually walk with him so he can mentor us. He can disciple us. And that involves also disciplining us to show us, hey, there's still some pitfalls in your life. There's still some things that that don't line up with my will, my way, and my word. I want to help you with those things. He doesn't leave us in those things. He doesn't reject us when we struggle with those things, but he doesn't leave us in those things, and he certainly does not encourage us to support or implement policies that would normalize wickedness, unrighteousness, and sin. He helps us escape those things. That's how we're loved. That's how Jesus loves us. So if we are going to bring true kingdom love into this world that desperately needs it. We have to love others as we are loved, just as Jesus said. And the way we are loved is we are accepted where we are, as we are, and then we are loved into transformation, unto righteousness, reformation, and revival. Not so that we are being loved. We're not talking legalism here. We're not talking religion here. We're talking Walking in relationship with him who is love. And his love, his unconditional love, his absolute agape love, opens the door for us to say yes to him. And we are restored to relationship with him. And then in that relationship, in that love, he helps us overcome and unnormalize, sometimes years, in my case, decades of wickedness, sin, and unrighteousness. He doesn't leave us in those things. He helps set us free from them. That's true love, and that's loving others as we are loved. Jesus is our model. He loved enough not to ignore sin and wickedness. He very, very actively came into the earth to deal with it, and then as he walked with us, he mentored us in how to overcome it. He very actively dealt with sin through prayer, mentoring, and sacrifice. Simple example of how he dealt with it in prayer. He taught us how to pray. Pray like this, he said. Our Father who is in heaven, holy, holy, righteous, just, and true, holy, set apart from anything of wickedness, holy be your name. You who are light, you who there is no shifting shadow in, holy, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus showed us that part of the reason we're here is when we say yes to him, like in Matthew 16, he shows us we become the gate of heaven into the earth. We stand upon our rock, who is the Messiah, who we've gotten the revelation from, not from the world, but from our Father in heaven. We say yes to Jesus Christ, and then he says he gives us the keys. To loose from heaven into the earth and to bind in the earth what has been bound in heaven so the gates of hell do not prevail. Wherever there are strongholds of hell, wherever there are strongholds of wickedness, unrighteousness, sin, wherever that currently exists or it's trying to be normalized, we are to come against that in prayer. We are to be active. We are to be aggressive. We are to aggressively believe for the kingdom to come, for the Holy Father's will to be done, and for the gates of hell that have held someone or some place or some nation in its grip, for those things to be absolutely smashed, and for a revival of reformation and righteousness to be reestablished in the land. He did this through mentoring. He taught us and modeled to us how to resist sin. The entire time we walked with him in the earth, when he was here in the earth, every disciple, he was constantly mentoring and modeling how to resist sin, how to overcome sin, how to not let sin be normalized. And he sent us out. To disciple nations. Part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is that we go forth to disciple nations, to influence nations in what he has taught us to do, in what he modeled to us, in what he showed us, in what he did for us. That's part of you'll do the works that I did and even greater works you shall do. What did he do? He came in love, he came for love, and through love he set us free. From wickedness and unrighteousness and sin and all of their ravages and all of their influence and he set us free from death itself we're to go out and do that for nations we should be contending for a revival and reformation of righteousness in this land we should be contending for heroes of holiness to arise in the united states of america in every sphere of influence and we should be out there supporting them and we should be out there cheering them on and praying for them so that we can see the exact opposite of a normalization of sin and wickedness through, through wrong government policies and through wicked platforms and through media and through all the other spheres of influence. But we should be believing for an absolute revival of reformation because we love God and because we love others and because we want to truly represent Jesus to everyone around us. And then ultimately, Jesus stood against sin actively and aggressively he stood against unrighteousness and wickedness actively and aggressively through sacrifice he laid down his life for all so we would be set free from sin and wickedness and unrighteousness not so it could be normalized and we could say well you know what i see that you're normalizing these things but i want you to know that you're love no because jesus did love us he laid down his life will we lay down our lives Will we lay down our reputations? Will we lay down being liked by many? Because we say we love enough. We want to truly represent Jesus enough that we will not compromise love, but we will also not compromise contending for revival and reformation of righteousness and standing against wickedness and sin. John 3.16 puts it this way, for God so loved the world, that he gave the gift of his only begotten son so that none might perish and all might have eternal life. I, I really like how it's, it doesn't just say God loved the world, so he did this. It said, for God so loved the world. That's active. That's aggressive. He so loved the world that he gave. Gave is a verb. Gave is active. He, see, he gave his son. He sent his son. He, he blessed the son and empowered the son to invade the situation and deal with it. Why? Because he is love, and love is not passive. Love is very, very active. So we need to understand that love acts. Love is not passive. Love acts. Love comforts. Love heals and saves and delivers. Love forgives. Love is merciful. Love is kind, and love is patient. And we must be that with one another in the church, but we really need to be that with the world right now too. There's so many people, so angry, so confused, so hurt, so broken. We have to show up in mercy and compassion, love, forgiveness, kindness, patience, but we also have to show up in love that confronts and contends, confronts wickedness and unrighteousness and sin, contends, for people and even nations to be set free from it. Love saves and heals and delivers. Jesus came because the Father loves, and that's why Jesus saves. That's why Jesus heals. That's why he delivers, because he loves. Those are all manifestations. Those are all expressions of love. I also want to say another thing love does if we're going to really represent Jesus is love unites. And and Jesus came so that in love, we could be united to him who is love, but also then within him, we can be united with one another. Because one of the things we need to do in the church right now is we need to grow up a little bit. We need to grow up and stop being so reactionary and stop being so um, um, nasty to one another. I mean, my goodness, I took a break from news for quite some time so I could continue to pray for things not based on any frustration or doubt or anger or fear, based on uh, a lot of what's coming out of mainstream media. But I've been praying and contending from God's word and God's will and God's ways. But I tell you what, I've also been thinking about taking a break from social media because my goodness, it's time for us to stop attacking each other. It's time for us to stop being nasty to each other. It's time for us to grow up a little bit in the church and stop calling each other names. I mean, some of the names I've been called the last couple of weeks, I've actually been surprised. And the, the names I've been called by Christians that disagree with me were much harsher than the names I've been called by um, people in the world who disagree with me. And you know what? It's okay. Um, it's, it's, it's great to have grace growers in our lives. It helps us grow up and mature. And like everybody, I need to grow up and mature even more. I want to grow more mature in love. I'm grateful for the opportunities I have to not react, to not to not lash back when someone lashes out at me. But you know, if if the best thing we if the best argument we have is to call others each other names, that's not a very good argument. You know, so we need to grow up a little bit and we need to understand we're stronger together than apart. Love unites. And if we're calling each other names, if we're attacking each other, if we're criticizing and condemning and maligning one another, that's not love. And you could say to me, well, you know, Jesus did call the the Pharisees a brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. Okay, I get it but you know what? I'm not Jesus and you're not Jesus. Jesus was love. He never failed at love. Um, I'm sure he had very loving reasons to do that. But when we attack one another on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram with those kind of things, that's not love. It's the exact opposite of love. It's actually the accuser, the brethren. And we need to stop because if we're going to, if we're going to really represent Jesus, we've got, to choose unity. I'll use an example. I have a friend in Sweden, wonderful man, loves God with all his heart, wonderful worshiper in the word every day. He and I disagree on many things socially and politically right now. And we have expressed why we think what we think. I love this man. I don't agree with him on a lot of things. He doesn't agree with me on a lot of things, but we're still willing to love one another and accept one another. And, and that's okay. It's okay to disagree. Just stop dishonoring and dividing. In the Old Testament, God had 12 tribes. In the New Testament, Jesus had 12 disciples. God is okay with diversity. He just doesn't want division and dishonor. And one of the things that's happened is in this last season, in this year, God woke up a remnant that he sent and ignited for war to not war against things, but to war for things, to take up a 2 Chronicles seven fourteen battle cry and contend for righteousness to be reestablished in our nation and to contend for the, the, the nation to be healed and return to God's plans, purposes, will, and ways. I am grateful that I get to be a part of this company. I am grateful that God woke me up as part of that remnant or that tribe in this season. Others that didn't wake up, let's not spend time telling them they're doing it wrong. Maybe God has them in a different tribe for a different reason. We need to get past this idea that everyone is gonna agree with us and everyone is gonna share our focus. There are many out there that right now, their incredible passion is to go out and get as many people saved as possible. Why in the world would I say, oh, you're doing it wrong. We're supposed to be contending for a reformation of righteousness in the land. You're doing it. No, they're not doing it wrong. They're doing something brilliant and wonderful. And they've connected to God's heart. And they've woken up to God's heart to go out there and love people into a saving relationship and see them set free from the ravages of sin we need to understand that 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 god often has a diversity of focuses and he works through men and women so it's okay if you have a different focus than i do as long as it lines up with the word it's okay that i have a different focus than you do as long as it lines up with the will the way the word and the love of god we need to stop attacking one another we need to understand that love is the way We need to stop giving place to the accuser, the brethren, and we need to start cheering each other on. For those of you who have a different kingdom focus than I do right now, this is my word to you. Way to go. Go out there and do it with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul because I see you loving God and responding to his invitation to be part of his solution in a certain sphere. For those of us who are contending right now for a revival of reformation, And are wanting to take stands in different spheres of influence to contend against the normalization of wickedness and sin and unrighteousness. If that's not your focus, so be it. But what I would recommend you do is don't come against the plans and purposes of God and waste time attacking us because you know what we're going to do? We're going to put our heads down and we're going to continue to pull the plow forward to break up the hard ground of this nation and see revival and reformation spring up. So we need to understand that love also unites. So if we're, if we're spending time attacking one another, that's not love and that is not God and that is not achieving anything in the kingdom of light. That's achieving things for the kingdom of darkness. So love is the way we need to embrace love. Okay, I want to close with this. I started with this idea of absolutely love is the answer, but love is not passive. Love doesn't sit back. Love doesn't allow sin and righteousness and wickedness to continue, and it especially does not allow it to be normalized. Love invades. Love stepped out of heaven and into this fallen world to defeat all of sin, all of hell, all of death itself in every sphere of influence, in every realm of authority. Jesus came into this land, this world, to actively and aggressively contend, confront and contend against that which had kept us from him. We need to be active in this hour by loving people, we need to be active in mercy. We need to be active in compassion. We need to be active in patience. But you also need to be active in confronting, contending, and taking very bold, strong stands against unrighteousness and wickedness and sin, especially amongst uh, uh, in situations where there are policies, platforms, and even legislation that would try to normalize those things. This is what it says in Matthew 11:12. 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That's the King James. You want to talk about love being active. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. We get aggressive in grabbing hold of kingdom truth, kingdom righteousness, kingdom Wisdom, kingdom strategies, kingdom tactics, kingdom ways of seeing wickedness, unrighteousness and sin torn down in the land. And we get violent about it, not against people, not against people. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against powers and principalities. And again, I want to say something. If you're resorting to attacking people and name calling, like I'll be very straightforward here. Most of the policies of the uh, Democratic platform, I completely disagree with. Most of what Mr. Biden and Mrs. Harris have communicated, I'm deeply concerned about being normalized in our land. I don't want to see the age of consent uh, continually lowered down to where it's basically the normalization of pedophilia. I don't want to see abortions increased in the land to where it's even normalized to allow abortions outside of the womb. That's child sacrifice. That gives place to the gods of Molech and Baal. I don't want to see the normalization of sexual uh, perversions that God says are not according to his will and ways. Anybody wrestling with that stuff, we need to be loving and kind and compassionate and make sure they know that Jesus and we love them. But we also have to take stands against those things. So there's many things that the, the current democratic uh, platforms and policies are standing for that I will stand against. But I will also do it by never dishonoring Mr. Biden and Mrs. Harris. I will disagree with them. I will take stands against those policies. I will rally prayer against those policies. But I will not resort to name calling. And if if I'll say this for our president, who I know is flawed, I'm not going to call him names either. There are many things that he's doing that I support and like, but what I find interesting is so many who stand against him, some of the names he gets called, they're so dishonoring and disrespectful, and these are by Christians who don't like that I have been a vocal proponent of his policies and platforms, not always his personality, but his policies and his platforms, and some of the names they call him. It's it's quite amazing to me that we don't recognize, well, that's not God. I think of Daniel. This is a great season for us to be like Daniel. Daniel. Daniel was one who grabbed hold of the kingdom of God violently and with great expectation actively pursued seeing the truth of God established in the land. And yet when I read Daniel chapters one through six, I marvel at how Daniel spoke to Nebuchadnezzar and to Darius. Um, there was a third king whose name's escaping me. He never spoke dishonoringly or disrespectfully. He was always honoring of the position. He was always respectful of the person, knowing God made them, knowing God loved them, even if God disagreed with their policies, and he would take a stand against them. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego did the same thing. They were willing to lay down their lives. Are we? I think we have to realize that love is absolutely 100% the answer. Because Jesus is love and Jesus is the answer. But we also have to understand that love is very, very active. It's active in loving. It's active in being merciful and kind and compassionate and forgiving. It's active in being patient. It's active in being accepting and honoring towards people and seeing their worth and value no matter what they are doing or involved in. But it also actively takes a stand against wickedness and unrighteousness and sin so it doesn't get normalized and we get set free from it. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll close this idea of how we have to be bold and we have to be active right now. I wanna point something out to you. Passivity was part of original sin. Adam was passive. If Adam had taken an active, aggressive role in saying to Eve, look, I see what you're wrestling with. I see what you're tempted to do. But this is what the word of God says. This is what the character and nature of God is. This is why we can trust God even in this. I am here for you, in love for you as my helpmate, as my wife, as my companion, as my partner. I am here. I will not be passive. You are about to drink a cup of poison. You are about to actually completely rebel against God and and and, 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 and remove yourself From his presence. Adam was passive. He didn't address any of that. He did the exact opposite. When she presented him the apple for him to sin as well, he was passive and was like, okay, honey, what did he do? He only only loved enough to make sure Eve knew she was accepted in her sin. But he allows sin to be normalized by embracing it. And now he has fallen as well, and we know what happened passivity. Even in the name of love, passivity is part of original sin and it is a trap and it is a lie and it is a lure of the enemy to keep you from being the hero the champion, and the warrior you were created to be. Passivity in this season, even in the name of love, not getting involved, not taking a stand where God calls you to in the ways God calls you to. I'm not saying everybody needs to run for office or or get out there and stump for uh, politicians who are taking stands for reformation and taking stands for righteousness and truth and justice. If you're called to do that, do it. Do it with all your strength. Do it with all your love for God. And do it with all your love for others to see this nation set free from the normalization of sin. But if you're not called to do that, it's okay. You may be called to do this in the prayer closet. You may be called to do this by going out and winning souls. You may be called to do this by doing worship events. You may be called to doing this by pouring into your children at home in this season and raising your kids up in the will, the way, and the word of the Lord so they do not depart from it and they become part of the solution in this generation and beyond. We don't have to all be walking the exact same, embracing the same assignment, but we need to be embracing the same truth, and we need to be taking a strong stand for it. We cannot be passive in this hour. Passivity was part of original sin. Passivity normalized sin to the the point where we were uh, uh, excommunicated from the garden. We kicked ourselves out by rebelling. We, God didn't kick us out. We kicked ourselves out. God put the guard of the, the cherub with the flaming sword at that gate, not because he was mad at us, but because he loved us and he put boundaries. He knew if we came back in and ate of the tree of life at that moment, we would be eternally in that fallen state. And he didn't want that. He wanted us to get the revelation of who the tree of life was so we could be saved. But we needed to wake up to the truth that we needed a Messiah. And that's why inside of time, God allowed the season that is the Old Testament for us to realize we could not, do for, we could not undo for ourselves what we did to ourselves through rebellion, the normalization of sin, and passivity not addressing it. So God sent a Savior who is love. Who came on our behalf right where we were and let us know that we were loved, we were wanted, we had worth and we had value in His eyes, and then He took an active, strong, not at all passive, an active, strong stand against sin, wickedness, and unrighteousness. So it wouldn't be the normal for us or for creation. We need to know love is the answer. We need to know Him who is love is the answer. Jesus is the answer, and we must represent Him in His fullness to all of creation to everyone we meet, to one another in the church, to a lost, hurt, broken world, and yes to our governments and the policies that we communicate we wanna see put in place. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. This is a critical and urgent hour. We have the answer. We need to embrace the answer in fullness. I want you to go out there and be part of the solution. You're made for it. Don't forget, Man Camp East Coast 2021 coming up February 18th through the 21st in Rose Hill, North Carolina. Go to menonthefrontlines.com, click the events button. It'll take you to the info page as well as the registration link so you don't miss out, so you can be a part of that. And hey, while you're at menonthefrontlines.com, do me a favor. If you're in a position to click the donate button, support this show, support everything we're doing, all the media we're creating, um, all the podcast, Heroes Arise, everything we're generating, every week, all the more content we're putting out there for everybody, plus all the the events and things that we're now getting back on the table. Be a part of what God's doing amongst his sons around the world. Be a part of supporting this program and all the media that we're creating. If you're in a position to do that, go to menonthefrontlines.com and click the donate button, the giving button. And if you're not... Don't worry. I know this is a challenging season for many, and we are committed to being here for you. We're going to keep creating content, and we're going to keep making it available to you for free because we find it a privilege and an honor to pour into you so that you can arise as the hero, the warrior, and the champion God created you to be. Thanks so much for being with me again this week. Don't forget about the Tuesday 30, all lowercase, all one word code. You can go to our store at patriciakingministries.com, use that code at checkout, and get a 30% discount today for Giving Tuesday. We wanted to give you that gift. Thanks again for being here with me. We'll see you next week for another Heroes Arise.